Uh, I'm going to approach the message just a little bit differently, and so I'm going to be reading portions of Scripture throughout the message this morning instead of uh, one specific text. Uh, we're going to work through uh, the Christmas story, and so I'll share that those portions of Scripture as we get to specific points throughout the message uh, today. But I do want to begin uh, with a word of prayer as we approach uh, the word of the Lord that God would open our hearts to hear what he would speak to us this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace today and mercy upon our lives. And we ask you, Lord, to just open our hearts and minds today to the word of the Lord. God, that you would speak to us by the power of the Spirit and that you would help us, Lord, to know and understand what it is that the Spirit would minister to us. So God, I pray today in these next few moments that you would uh, help me as your messenger to communicate what you would have us all to learn and to apply. And God, that as we leave today, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be more real, more fervent in our hearts and that we would have a desire to share and to walk it out uh, faithfully before you. So we thank you, Lord, for this gift that we have this morning. We pray, God, that you would help us to receive it with joy and gladness of heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want to share with you out of, we've been working through uh, the gospel of Luke and the, the Christmas story, the narrative uh, as it relates to Christmas. And that's really where we'll spend most of our time today in Luke chapter two. And I want to speak to you about suddenly there was joy. Suddenly there was joy. We are in a season of time where we need to experience joy, right? where uh, there is so much that seems to be going on in people's lives, in our, our community, in our country, in the world, that is things to sorrow about, things to uh, kind of uh, have a sadness about. But what we know when we read through Scripture is that when the Lord encounters us, that there are moments where these suddenlies uh, come upon us and there is a transformation from sadness to joy. Joy. As I was preparing for the message, I was reminded when I was a boy of probably about um, maybe six, seven, eight years old in that range. And I grew up near the ocean in Maryland. And in the summers at times, my family would go uh, to the beach. And during one particular summer, my family had gone to the beach and they were doing a beach restoration uh, project. So Instead of the area of the beach where we were kind of gradually going down to the ocean, it was actually they had kind of pushed the sand up and it was an embankment. And so you had kind of people uh, kind of camping out and then there was this embankment that was down and then the ocean sort of below it. And so as kids, those of us who went along that day, we enjoyed kind of playing in and digging in kind of that cliff area, uh, playing in the sand and uh, having fun. And then my, my mom and uh, some of the other adults that were there called us up for lunch and being in the sand all that morning, kind of ran down to the ocean, sort of washed the sand off my hands, but I wasn't big enough to climb up the embankment. And so every time I try to climb back up, my hands would get all sandy again. And so I'd go back down to the ocean and I'd try to wash them up and I try to figure out how to get up that embankment and I couldn't. And so I just figured, well, I'll walk down the beach and, uh, and try to get to the part where it kind of comes back down uh, sort of level and come up and come back down. And so that's what I did. 
And, uh, you know, my mom and the others were there kind of preparing the lunch and they didn't notice that I had walked away. And here I have walked away uh, on the beach and kind of find where it sort of comes down and walk back over and I can't find them anymore. I don't know where my mom is. I don't know where my family is. And so I come back down and I run all the way down to the other side looking up and I can't find them. And I run back up on the top side and try to find them. I don't see them anywhere. And finally, uh, as a young boy, I was crying and emotional at this point. And a lady that was kind of sitting next to a lifeguard uh, called out. And I went up there and asked me what was going on. The lifeguards start signaling. And finally, I see two of my older cousins walking down the beach looking for me. And when I saw them, there was an immediate change from the sorrow of not being able to find my family to the joy of seeing someone that is familiar that can rescue me and take me to where I need to be. And immediate change. Suddenly, in that circumstance, there was joy. And there are experiences in our life as a gospel people that you and I have to accept and have to receive that there are times when in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ where these suddenlies come upon us. And I want to rehearse just a few instances in the New Testament for you. We believe when the uh, Apostle Paul, when he was still Saul, when he encountered the Lord on the Damascus Road, that that was a suddenly experience that forever changed someone who was once against the church to one who was fighting for the church and seeking to build the kingdom. We believe that Jesus, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, can touch the sick and suddenly their leprosy, their disease, their sickness, their blindness can be healed. We believe that Jesus can encounter the dead and suddenly the dead will be raised. We believe that there was a tomb on the hillside in Jerusalem and suddenly an angel came and the stone was rolled away and the tomb was found empty. We believe according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 that if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation, that old things have passed away and suddenly all things have become new. And we also believe that there will be a day when Jesus will return and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up with them in the Lord and so shall we ever be with the Lord and that this will be a sudden occurrence. If you're to read through the gospel accounts and particularly Mark's gospel, what you will find is that there are often these instances of immediate and sudden changes when Jesus enters into the picture. What seems ordinary becomes extraordinary when Jesus comes along. We see in the Lord Jesus Christ the fulfillment of what he spoke about himself and what was prophesied long ago in Isaiah 61. That when you and I find ourselves in the midst of the ashes of life, that Jesus can give us a garland of beauty. That when we are mourning, that suddenly Jesus comes along and we are anointed with the oil of gladness. That when we are fainting, suddenly we are given the mantle 
of praise. Jesus enters into our circumstances and our situations and suddenly changes them and brings great joy to each and every one of us. In the Christmas story, we find three instances where Jesus brings this sudden joy. In the story of Mary and Elizabeth, in the story of the shepherds, and in the story of the wise men. And so I'd like to begin with reading out of Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. It says, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. What's important for us to realize in this situation, we kind of, you know, it's, it's beautiful that we have the nativity scene here in the front if you're able to see it. And when we look at it, we think of it oftentimes in terms of nostalgia. We don't think of what was actually going on and what was happening in the people's minds who were part of this story of what was going on, most likely in a cave in Bethlehem on some uh, dark night. We don't think about Mary who, as a young woman, probably at that time, around the ages of 14 or 15, maybe even a little younger, maybe a hair older, but in that age range, who was betrothed to Joseph, a righteous man. Betrothal during that time lasted about a year. There was no intimacy during that time. But you were considered, in essence, married, and if it was broken off during the time of betrothal, there actually had to be a certificate of divorce that was given. This angel visits Mary and tells her that she will be the mother of the Messiah. And Mary responds and says, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be unto me as you have said. She uses the word servant here. It means bond slave, the lowliest of servants. I am the lowliest of the Lord's servants. Let it be to me, angel, as you have spoken to me. We see a Mary humility, and we see that she has resigned herself to the will of the Lord. Elizabeth, she was from the line of Aaron, Moses' brother. She bears the name of Aaron's wife, Elisheba, means God is an oath. Luke 1.6 says that she and her husband, Zacharias, which means the Lord remembers, walk blamelessly in the sight of God. The husband and wife were in old age, yet with God, nothing shall be impossible. Zacharias would have been affirmed had he divorced Elizabeth because she did not give him children. He could have easily gotten a curse of no lineage off his back, but he chose to pray instead. 
and Eliza and Elizabeth becomes the forerunner, bears the forerunner, the mother of the forerunner, John the Baptist. When you think about these two ladies and you think about Mary, Mary in any other circumstance would have been stoned for adultery. Think about what it is to a 14-year-old girl. She has a heavenly vision. And in that heavenly vision, God says to her, you're going to bear a son even though you don't know a man. And what runs through her mind is all the things of culture. Think of any 14, 15-year-old girl today. Would any of us believe when she said, God has visited me with a heavenly vision and I'm going to bear a child and it's going to be the son of God? Which one of us would stand and say, oh, okay, we believe you. There's probably not one of us here under the sound of my voice or one who's watching by video or it broadcast to the entire world. I don't think one person would raise their hand. In that culture, having that kind of angel appearance, having that sort of prophecy being fulfilled was truly a death sentence. When she heard the voice of the angel Certainly in Mary's mind, there had to be this sense that if I am pregnant and I don't know a man, how will everyone else understand that this is from the Lord? Elizabeth and Zacharias' lineage was as good as dead. While righteous, both of them would have certainly been the focus of derision from their peers because childlessness was seen as a curse. Many Jewish rabbis of the time indicated that childlessness was a sign of disfavor from God. But yet in Mary's circumstance and in Elizabeth's circumstance, suddenly there was joy. John leapt in the womb of his mother for joy. The forerunner rejoiced that the Messiah was near. The mothers rejoiced in the plan of God. And when we see God's purposes and plans in our life come to fruition, we can rejoice as well, even if it causes pain and hardship. Oftentimes what we believe or what we are uh, uh, taught to believe is that difficulty in this life is a sign of disfavor from God. When oftentimes the difficulty and the challenge that we face in this life, God is able to use it. And it's exactly what was prophesied in Isaiah 61 that Jesus would do. How can you have a garland of praise if you haven't experienced the ashes of this life? How can you be given the oil of joy if you haven't experienced the mourning in this life? There's not one of us here that would say that God has not touched us in some way. But there's also not one of us here that would say that the pain and the difficulty of this life has also touched us. That we have found ourselves at times given a word from the Lord and wondering how in the world will this come to pass? What are others going to think? What are others going to say? There are those of us who have thought God, I've prayed and prayed and prayed like Elizabeth and Zechariah. Where are you, Lord? Why haven't you come through? Why haven't you intervened in this situation? And yet, suddenly, 
Suddenly, for a young girl who knew not a man, the child begins forming in her womb. And though there is difficulty all around, she has joy that she is going to be the mother of the Messiah. Suddenly, when Zechariah and Elizabeth were as uh, their line was as good as dead, suddenly the Lord encounters them and blesses them with a child. When we see God's purposes come to pass in our life, our response is joy. You may feel like the life has been sucked out of you and the situation in which you find yourself is deep and bleak and you may wonder, will God ever come through? In fact, you have may said to yourself, it is an impossibility that this situation can ever work out. What I would speak to you this morning is that God is still in the suddenly business. God is still in the business of transforming situations. Mary and Elizabeth had joy at the visitation of God's grace upon them. The shepherds likewise experienced joy. In Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, I want to read to you an extended portion of the story here. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. The shepherds in this context really were despised people. Again, in the manger scene, we see shepherds really in a certain light. We like to put them along. We think of the beauty of the animals in the stall. We think of the shepherds as people who enjoyed caretaking the animals. But really, these were people who lived out in the wilderness area. That's where they traveled. That's where they lived. Many of them were just kind of alone as they were living around the sheep. Uh, They were a nomadic people and didn't engage a lot with other people. And often what would happen with the shepherds is they were seen as people who were not quite ethical. There were people in their dealings who kind of seemed to maybe take advantage of other people. And this is why in this day, their testimony could not even be admitted into court. They couldn't even speak uh, under oath 
uh, and give a testimony in court because they were seen as people who were not very ethical. They had no real home. They slept under the stars. They went from place to place. They were mostly illiterate. And while some may have known about the prophecies of the Messiah, most would not have even been aware that there were prophecies of a coming Messiah. And yet to these who were the outcasts of society, these who were looked down upon, these who were the outcasts, these who seemed to not know what was going on, who were illiterate, who maybe didn't know about Messiah, suddenly there was joy that came to them. To the lowliest, there came hope in the night. Those who were the societal outcasts became the primary symbol with which our Lord identifies himself. In John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus takes these people who were looked down upon in society, and he takes their mantle upon himself. He identifies with those who are lowly and the outcast. And the shepherds were the only group of people to whom the birth of the Messiah was announced. Think of the goodness of our God. To take the lowliest of the low. If you were in the place of God or I was in the place of God and we were going to announce our coming into the human situation, where would we do it? To the great and to the mighty and to the powerful, right? We would want everyone to know. And what did God do? He announced to those who probably couldn't write it down to those whose only means to give a record was to tell someone else, to give a testimony of what they had seen. But these people, these outcasts, these downtrodden, these were the only group that saw the heavenly choir. These were the only ones who were told, go into Bethlehem and see this thing which God has done, and this will be the sign to you. You'll find this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a cattle stall. Imagine if that birth had been announced to the wise and great. Go to the place where the dirty animals are, great man, great ruler, and bow down in the straw and the muck and the things that the animals have left behind and pay homage to this infant king who's wrapped in dirty strips of cloth. It wasn't a problem for the shepherds because time and time again, this is probably almost exactly how they had seen children be born. This probably was their experience, their situation, their circumstance. This was a natural occurrence to them to have life among the animals. And God in his graciousness and God in his mercy suddenly enters into their situation with a heavenly choir. They hear the glory of heaven and the announcement of the birth of this infant. And for them, it was not a strange thing to come and to kneel down in a place where animals lay. To them, it was not a strange thing to come to where there was a birth in a cattle stall. To them, it wasn't a strange thing. And so they could easily kneel. They could easily worship they could easily honor the Lord in that type of situation. 
God breaks in. Do you feel in your life that you are different than everyone else? That everyone else can kind of go on with their life? Everyone else seems joyful, but maybe you, you, you find, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I don't have it together enough. I don't have the right kind of family. I don't have the right kind of job. God enters in and he elevates the lowly. God enters in and he pulls us from our humble estate and he lifts us up in Christ Jesus. Think of all the times the shepherds had seen from the world around them. You're just a shepherd. They heard the whispers when they would go in to sell the wool. Stupid shepherd. Beware of the shepherd. They'll always cheat you. Have nothing to do with the shepherd. And yet God in his grace and his mercy takes the lowliest of low. The bond servant and picks them up. The shepherd and picks them up and elevates them. Can you imagine what the shepherd saw on that Bethlehem hillside that night? Can you imagine the glory of things that they had never seen before and never experienced before? God is able to come in and God is able to suddenly give joy to those who are depressed, to those who walk in darkness. He is able to give a great light. You and your circumstance, where you find yourself, how you see yourself is not a barrier to the grace of God coming to you in your situation. It's not a barrier for God to visit you, God to pour his grace upon you, God to show you great and mighty things. The joy of Mary and Elizabeth despite the hardship. The joy of the shepherds despite the derision. In Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12, we find the Magi who had joy at the birth of Jesus. The word of the Lord says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For well, this is what was written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. These men were men who were searching for meaning. What did it mean for them to exist? What did it mean for them to be on the earth? The Magi, they were learned men, most likely priests, astrologers. In this case, it probably meant the kind of the original meaning of the term interpreters of special signs in the heavens. The Bible doesn't tell us the number of Magi. We almost always have three in the nativity set because they brought three gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. There could have been more. We know there were at least two, but there could have been more of them. Most likely these magi were from Babylon. They were probably familiar with the scriptures and many of them probably had experience or had heard of or knew about even the time of Daniel some 600 years before in Babylon. The chances of them being pagan were probably pretty high that they did not worship God in the way that we see in the scriptures. But what we do know is that they were looking and searching and watching. They were looking in the heavens. They were watching. They were asking the question, why am I here? And in the midst of their search, there was this sudden joy. To these great and wise men, there came to them unfathomable wisdom. To men who had long longed for something more, finally there was something that could answer the questions that they were asking. And when they found him, Matthew 1 and 10 says, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Imagine after years of looking and watching and waiting to the wisest of wise, there came joy in an instant. And maybe in your search for meaning for why are you here and what is your purpose and what does your existence mean, God wants to enter into you in this moment and say to you that there is hope for you. There is meaning for you that I love you and have a plan and a purpose for you. In years of ministry, I've never seen a situation or circumstance that we find ourselves in right now where people find themselves where they have no hope. Searching for meaning, longing for meaning. Why am I here? And they can't find the meaning and they decide to end it all. Never have I seen it at such an epidemic level as what it is right now. And I would venture to say that there is not one of us here who it has not touched. And our family and our friends, but over and over and over again, I hear about it. People who just can't take it anymore. A search for meaning. And what we find and what we see with the wise men is that God visits those who are looking and searching. This is why Riverstone Church must be a praying church. 
because what I believe in our community particularly, there are a lot of people who are searching, longing, and looking. There are a lot of people who are looking at a lot of books and trying to educate themselves in a lot of ways and people who are wise in the ways of the world and yet they continually come up empty. They don't come up with the answers that satisfy the soul. They don't come up with the perspective that suddenly gives joy, that suddenly gives peace. In our community, we must be a church that prays and that shares the message of hope to others. In your life, yes, you're in church this morning, but maybe you're here by divine appointment because you find yourself in this moment having searched for meaning and come up empty. I want to tell you this morning that there is joy and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came and he lived upon this earth and he died on Calvary's cross and he was put in a tomb, but suddenly on the third day, the tomb became empty. Suddenly on the third day, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead that you and I could have hope and that we could find the meeting that we long for. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. At the Lord's return, Revelation 19, 7 and 8 says, We will rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. At the end time, when the last trump is sound, when we gather together, you and I will find that time of sudden joy in the presence of the Lord, where there will be no more tears and no more sorrows, because we are in Christ Jesus, and there will be great joy in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Maybe like Mary and Elizabeth, there is a battle of the flesh, or maybe like the shepherds, there's a battle of worth in your heart, or maybe like the Magi, there is a battle in your mind. God wants to speak to you in a moment. He wants to transform your perspective in an instant. I'm told that giving birth is a painful experience, and yet at the moment that the child arrives, there is a shift to joy. At the moment that the child comes, there is a shift to joy. And at that moment, there is a transformation. And that is what the scripture says that we are going through now. In this life, we are going through the birth pains. Yes, we're excited about the return of the Lord, but we also have to go through the difficulty and the challenge of this life. But there will come a suddenly moment where the pain of the past will pass away and it will be the joy to be in the Lord's presence. And what we see in birth is that the pain also increases exponentially before the moment of delivery. Interesting, isn't it? When the moment of birth is about to come, the pain increases in order to deliver the child and bring immediate joy. Psalm 30 and 5 says that weeping may endure for the night. Joy, what? Will come in the morning. 
It's not that joy might come in the morning. Joy will come in the morning. Psalm 126 and 6, those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of what? Joy carrying sheaves with them. That when you go out and when you plant and when you sow into the kingdom, there will come a time in the toil and in the difficulty of sowing, you will reap with songs of joy. Romans 8 and 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory or the joy that is to be revealed to us. Is not to make light of what your challenge is or what you are facing today. But what it is to tell you is that I believe that there is a Savior, that there is a Lord, that there is a God who cares about you. And in whatever you may be facing today, that there can be and there will be in time an instantaneous change that brings you the joy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. Will you stand with me as we seek the Lord in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for this moment, O oh Lord, that you have brought to us. God, where so much of our world is wrapped up in the numbers of death, the numbers of sickness, Never before in the history of humankind have we been counting the worldwide numbers of sickness and death over and over and over again. And the burden and the weight of what it means. The difficulty for those of us who have been touched by the weight of sickness and death, even in this last year. But, oh God, God, I believe. I believe your word that says, when Elizabeth saw Mary, there was sudden joy. Oh, no longer were there the thoughts in Elizabeth's mind that the lineage is dead, but she felt the babe alive in her womb and he leaped for joy at the sound of the Savior's mother's voice. that Mary somehow at the words of Elizabeth and Zechariah felt the comfort to know that God had gone before them, that God was preparing a way and though a man's earthly penalty meant that she deserved stoning. Suddenly, there would be joy. Though the shepherds on the outskirts of town on that Bethlehem night would have been doing the things that they had always done. Experiencing the experiences that they had all, always experienced.
still hearing the voices. Thief, liar, cheat, worthless, stupid. And yet suddenly, God of the universe peels back the curtain of heaven and the angels peer down and say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill. And the angels hear the heavenly choir and the angel appears to them and says, go and see this king. Joy, suddenly, inexplicable, full of glory. Oh Lord, the Magi, no heavenly choir, no angel visitation, but searching, looking, wondering, journeying, groping to find, what does it mean? I need understanding. And suddenly, they find the child. They rejoice in his presence. They see him. They know that this is a king. This is not some other babe. This is not just an ordinary birth. But this child brings meaning. This child brings understanding. And suddenly they have joy as they lay their gifts of gold, their prophetic gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh at his feet. And God, in our journey too, though the clouds of darkness may swirl about us, though the difficulty of this life and the constant berating of the news and those around us of death and sickness all around, we know, oh God, that there will be a day. Oh, there will be a day when suddenly we will hear about the death count and then we will see the Lord Jesus Christ split the sky. Oh God, what a day of joy that will be as we rejoice in your presence forevermore. No more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more difficulty, oh Lord. You yourself will visit us and dry every single tear. Oh God, we rejoice and long for that moment today. I pray, O oh Lord, for your people who are gathered here. Those who are unable to be here this morning and are at home, O oh God, I pray, Lord, that you would reach into living rooms, reach through the internet, reach, Lord, through the devices, O oh God, as you touch us here, touch them there, O oh Lord Jesus, to give us hope. Beauty for ashes, strength for fear, gladness for mourning, and peace for our despair. Suddenly break in upon us, O oh Lord. God, we are grateful for these moments that we have in your presence. And I pray, Lord, as we lift our voices in song to you here in just a moment, God, that you would flood our hearts with the knowledge that though we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. And when your presence is there, you will give joy. 
That is what this season reminds us of. God entering in suddenly. So Lord Jesus, we rejoice in you. and We thank you for your presence this morning. Bind our hearts up just now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.